The podcast world is growing bigger every day, and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free, it's the easiest to use, and they are adding new cool features every single day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. Very solid podcasting app. I really do like it a lot, and uh, I haven't gotten any money from them yet, so it's not even like they're paying me to say that. So uh, anyway, on with the show. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 123, 123, very basic math, of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday, January 3rd, 2019. For old acquaintance be forgotten, never brought to life, some old acquaintance be forgotten, days of old lang syne. Happy New Year! Fwow! 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 God, that was a, that was awful. Sounded like the siren from the uh, ectomobile there at the end, the Ghostbuster car. Yeah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. What what a horrible uh, way to bring in the new year with this podcast with that that awful intro. But would you expect a good intro from this podcast? That's really what you need to be. asking I wouldn't yourself. expect it from from Josh. That's no, for sure. no, you that, shouldn't. That'd be surprising. So yeah, if it was if it was good. It's, it's a new year, man. <laughs> hey, Mike, it's it's a new year, new you. What's new about what's new, new about new, you? Uh, I, I always I always find that funny. New year, new you. Yeah, come on, give me a break. It's new year. It's a new year, and it's the same you. Like that's, that's how it is every single year. Give me a fucking break with the new year, new you nonsense. I think that's become kind of a meme at this point. I think every, yeah. I think everybody generally mocks it. I don't think there's anybody out there legitimately being like posting. Actually, you know what? I bet there's someone who's probably like 46. They don't really get on social media very much. And maybe they saw the meme and didn't know it was ironic. And like they just downloaded that in their head for later. And then when it came time for New Year's, they probably did get on there, maybe their fourth or fifth post of the entire year, because like I said, maybe they don't go on social media very much. And and those those are the people who probably still legitimately say New Year, New Me. But everybody else <laughs> outside of that very specific category I just named, uh, uh, probably all are, are mocking that. Because of course, um, just like those dumbasses out there who feel like, uh, constantly changing cities and moving will solve all their problems. Those are the same dumbasses that, that will not happen. Yeah, like, that that's running away from your problems. That's exactly what that is. Yeah, the amount of people that I have personally known in my life who have moved out of Jacksonville b- just because they want to change a scenery or because they want to change they they just their life sucks they're kind of losers honestly and they're not doing anything with their lives and they think a magical change of scenery or moving is going to just like it's just going to somehow be this like salve for their see what 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 might happen is when the initial move happens at first it will seem like it's great and then 
uh, as time goes by, it, the same problems arise, and then they decide, well, then this new place now is shitty, and I need I need a new, cha- another change of scenery, and they just keep moving from place to place. Now, but some people though they luck out, and that actually does help. Like they move out and they uh, end up getting a job that they like and they enjoy and then maybe find someone that they uh, fall in love with and then that's it. But uh, it's one of those things that it it probably doesn't happen as often as a lot of people would like. I, a case in point, when I moved out of my parents' house, uh, when I I was living with, you know, when I was still living with my grandmother in uh, Tigard, uh, really, it's Portland, but it's closer to Tigard. Really, it's 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 a Portland address, but Tigard is literally within walking distance <laughs> compared to Portland. Um, so I just thought my parents were smothering me and whatever, so I decided to move in with my dad. And at first, it seemed it was great. I loved it. It was wonderful. Uh, and then things started to you know not really turn out too great. My dad was on the road all the time. I uh, didn't really have a, a very good support system, uh, and then I was just like, "Okay, this sucks. I need to, I need to get out of here." And so when when I moved back in with my mom, it, it was it was a the right decision to make because uh, th- th- there's just no way that 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 scenario would have ended uh, in a good way because eventually they were going to have to switch jobs anyway, and they were going to move so. And I, I don't want to live in Michigan, so in Hesperia. <laughs> no offense to my dad, I don't want to live there. And uh, so I I moved back in with my mom, and and it and it worked out in a lot of ways because it made me appreciate what my parents did. Like they weren't really smothering me, and they weren't really that bad. It, it's I just thought they were. But when, once I got a taste of the other side, so to speak, you know, the I definitely did realize that the grass is not always greener. Yeah, that's how there. that's how it is. Like in Jacksonville, like the people who move away, like nine times out of ten, they come the fuck back because they realize that, oh, wow, I thought Jacksonville sucked. But now that I've been to whatever other city, actually, Jacksonville's pretty fucking decent. It's a big city. There's a lot of things to do there's a lot of opportunity there's a lot of job growth there's uh just a lot of people in general um that you can meet uh i think the people who are like constantly fixated on changing themselves whether it be through new years or this i i think they're just kind of immature people in general you know uh they're they're burning bridges with a lot of people you know that's why they feel like they want to move they feel like everyone's against them in the town they live in yeah, or I, I think some people are like that but i do think some people are legitimately uh buying into the whole new year's resolutions thing and i think for some people it gives them motivation to, to make some changes in their life that are very beneficial like uh uh, stopping smoking or you know not drinking as much or or getting in shape or stuff like that yeah but and, but and, isn't it wasn't there like a poll out somewhere one time saying that like what was it like like us uh, like this very high percentage of new year's resolutions fail or something well, of course so it's it, so again it, it's stupid to it's stupid to put a time frame on on getting your shit together absolutely but it, it whatever helps these individuals 
get their shit together, I'm okay with, no matter how like immature it might be, especially if it eventually does get them on the right track. But ultimately, it's up to them. It's not up to some New Year's resolution plan. It's up to them to complete that plan to fruition. So it's it's always the individual who is responsible for change. People, my words to you are start today. Become great today. Don't put it off until tomorrow. You can lose weight today. You can stop smoking today. God, every time I do John F. Kennedy. Thank you, Aussie uh, John F. Kennedy. Yeah, I don't know why that fucking ha- I try to do a John F. Kennedy, and he turns Australian, and I can't fucking help it. It's I'll, just- I'll be like, Aussie F. Kennedy, that's who that is. Yeah, so anyway, happy fucking 2019, everybody. Uh, nothing's going to change on this end as far as I'm I'm concerned. Uh, we don't have any resolutions. I'm speaking for Mike without even asking him. I'm just assuming um i'm dude i mean i've been grinding all of 2018 the amount of of work i put into my band my youtube channel this podcast my djing career uh in 2018 it was it was insane the amount of grinding i did i just i just want to graduate from wcu which is i don't think it's going to be an issue at all so i'm going to graduate from wcu uh this year Uh, neither the fall or the winter i'm not 100 sure exactly uh which one my parent, my mom was kind of like surprised that I didn't know exactly which one. Because I'm thinking about like this term. I'm not thinking about, oh, when I'm going to graduate. Like, that's just not how I am with my mindset. I'm not like two steps ahead. I'm not thinking two steps ahead all the time. Um, But that's just me personally. So, yeah, I mean, 2018 was a crazy uh, wild year, to be honest. Like, there were some really serious... Uh, issues that were going on in my life that uh worked out okay in the end but didn't i didn't really necessarily see the light at the end of the tunnel and in, in some of those aspects uh but then as the year started to come to a close things really started to turn around so um and it became one of the better years that i've had uh, especially near you know when it comes to the end near the end of it the, the last few months so because i've I've been able to work again. So that's been huge. Yeah, that was good. That was a good uh, thing that happened to you, I would say, for sure. So uh, it's one of those things that it's all about perspective. And I guess if your year isn't starting out exactly how you would pl- you wanted it to in 2019, just stick your, you know, keep your nose to the grindstone and just keep working at it. That sounds painful. And I know, but that's the point. It kind of is... And Painful. then, then you like file off your nose and have this weird <laughs> skeletal, like these two holes in your face. <laughs> it's was, a term. Don't do it's that. A, That's awful it's advice. A, it's, a, it's a term. Mike's telling it's people self mutilate uh, in 2019 no. and look like some kind of fucking weird Blade Runner villain no, or something. No, no. Well, speaking of Blade Runner, <laughs> this is the future of 2019. You know, this is the Blade Runner future. Oh, it, did that take place in 2019? Yeah. January 1st, 2019. Man, none, yeah. of the, none of these people really thought that far ahead when they were making no. up these dates. They're like, oh, it'll no. all be, you know, well, the future will happen by then. And it's like, no, things are... I it's mean, also the running man. The running man, uh, uh, the future of the running man uh, started in 2019 as well. I'm just so. glad I don't have to see any any more of those fucking back to the future memes about, <laughs> oh, this is... Dude, people were faking those memes for like 10 years, it seemed like. 
Like, oh, it, it turned like it turns 2013. Well, what's kind of funny is we did get a hoverboard, but it, it isn't really a hoverboard. I find that hilarious. I thought like we finally did get hoverboards, but they don't really hover. They're just called hoverboards. The amount of times I got I got the amount of times I got sick of people just just parroting the same phrase that everyone else says oh where's it's 2016 where's my self-tying shoes in my hoverboard it's like oh my god you are such they an original do have mags now you they are... do have them but they're like ridiculously expensive and nobody except the rich can afford them the self-tying shoes all right so uh there was some great b-roll that obviously i had to edit out because i don't want a lot of chit chat up in here uh at, at the beginning at least i think how i'm going to reformat the podcast moving on even though i just said nothing was going to change in the podcast in 2019 is uh you know we'll, we'll do like half the chit chat up front maybe only 10 minutes worth at most and then the rest of the chit chat will be saved for uh the end so you guys are going to have to stick around for the story of uh the old money from the civil war that my grandfather left me and how it was just one last kick in the balls before he died. Uh, so make sure you stick around to the end of the podcast for that. Yeah, it's quite a doozy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, this podcast is uh, about the show Unsolved Mysteries. We don't always talk about it, but we will be this time around. If you want to uh, join our Facebook group, go to Facebook and type in uh, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. It's a very vibrant, awesome group. Um if you want to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. You will get this podcast earlier than everybody else. And uh, there's some other bonuses on there as well. The first story we're going to be talking about is the story of Bo Tanner. And uh, this is uh, this is a good one. These are all good segments lately. Uh, some real gems I've been mining out from the uh Unsolved Mystery Salt Mines. Well, in particular, these two we're going to talk about today. These are some real diamonds in the rough. Yeah, a lot more diamonds than what I think we originally thought. So, um, after dating for six months, Bo and Debbie Tanner were married on August 16th, 1986. And who, boy, their wedding photo is something else, isn't it? Oh, man. Bo, Bo <laughs> Tanner looks like his name should have been Tex. Tex, Tex Tanner. <laughs> I mean, the uh, the suit he is wearing is just straight up, just Texas in-your-face style, buddy. The collar is like four times the normal collar <laughs> of a dress shirt. It is huge. Yep. And he's wearing this, like, cowboy hat, and he's just got his he's sideburns. Got the, he's got the stash. Oh, he's got yeah. the sideburns and everything. Yeah, yeah, old Texas Tanner over here. <laughs> they moved to a small town of Polebridge, Montana, and lived on a 500-acre ranch that once belonged to her grandfather. And it was a dream of Debbie's yes. to be able to live in in, in that type of environment. Um, and uh, Debbie, she's interviewed here, and I, I, it's just... It, I know that was popular back then to have that kind of hairstyle, but God, it's so bad. She has this like feathered thing going on with her hair where it's like two sides are all turned up and but one's uneven so it's not it's not aligned with the other and she's got the big giant coke bottle glasses. Dude, so many of the women on the on this show could, <laughs> could potentially be pretty hot if they take those fucking glasses off their face <laughs> that were so popular back then 
and do yeah. something different with their hair. That's all you'd have to do, yeah. and you would like yeah. go up like five or six points on the well, hotness look, scale. Look at the actress who's playing her in the reenactment. She doesn't have hair like that, and she doesn't wear those you know giant glasses. Apparently, yeah. back in the eighties, <laughs> like if you had any kind of bad vision, uh, you you wanted to see everything with the glasses that they gave you. You wanted to make sure nothing was not seen. You wanted to see uh, the stars in the night sky <laughs> up close and fucking planets, yeah. like you were looking through the Hubble telescope. You wanted to feel like like the same feeling you get when you look out front of a school bus and the windshield is just huge. And it's like, wow, this is a really big like area. That's like that. You wanted that experience on on the front of your face at all times with these fucking glasses, man. So anyway, uh, they moved on to a 500 acre ranch and once belonged to her grandfather. They planned on reviving it and they brought in a herd of cattle. Uh, they also wanted to sublease it to other people and raise their cattle as well. With and they did that because she was she was worried that she wouldn't be able to live out there in her dream uh location spot because there's not enough money like she couldn't really make any money to be able to afford it but then they decided to do that and then it seemed like her dream was coming true yeah you know like the sad thing is is like um i i, I see you know out where my mom lives or whatever there's a lot of those kind of uh like pastures and cattle and stuff and they're yeah. so cute and um it, like I, I just like look at the cattle. I'm like, oh, they're really cute and blah blah. blah. Not realizing that like the whole purpose of these cattle being here is to be slaughtered eventually. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, it's it's just kind of sad. But anyway, um, it's like babe. Yeah. <laughs> so within a few months, the they were overseers of nearly 200 head of cattle. However, some people in Polebridge thought that a working ranch would ruin the wilderness. As a result, the Tanners tried to preserve the environment as much as possible. They also decided to start a church on their property. And this church, whole oh buddy. It looks like a circus tent. <laughs> it is literally a, a yellow and white striped circus tent out in the middle of a field. And they would hold Sunday services in this makeshift tent with Bo as the pastor. And they're I was expecting to hear circus music with the country uh, twang instead of uh, the church <laughs> procession music. Cut to uh, inside the tent, and it's just that scene <laughs> from It when the clowns in the library is like waha waha waha. Yeah. So and they're interviewing the wife or whatever, and she's Debbie, and she's saying, you know, the the community was uh, pretty happy with the church because you know the the next town was you know so many miles away, and they wanted uh, they had expressed an interest for something like that out there, and they were saying, well, we need someone to marry and bury us. So you know they were and glad someone it for was, counseling, yeah. Which I'm like, you're gonna go to a to Bo. For counseling just some guy i mean he's just some guy on a farm and it's like hey man i'm having a lot of problems oh all right bubba come on let's get in the tent and you can tell me about it it's like uh okay i guess um you don't really need any higher education out there for that kind of shit you just kind of hey i'm the pastor now so yeah that's what that's my thing so you know whatever so on september 10th 1989 during the waxing of the last full moon of the summer Someone's What's crazy about this particular segment is that every single time these these acts of vandalism happen, it happens on a full moon. 
Yeah, well, it's very, um, it's very unsolved mysteries of them. Uh, so anyway, um, before I was rudely interrupted, during the waxing of the last full moon of the summer, someone slashed the tent with a knife and threw away the hymnals, chairs, and Bibles uh, all over the structure. They didn't throw them away, but they threw, they just tossed them all around, ripped it all up and everything. Then they, the reenactment was great. Yeah, with that yeah too. It, was, it was good. I would have liked to, uh, I just want to run amok. I like destroying things. Like, I would have loved to have, like, not because it's a church and, you know, oh, I'm angry at God, but I think it would have been funny, <laughs> fun to, like, slash all that shit up and run amok. Uh, they then cut the ropes that supported the tent, collapsing it onto itself. Debbie was shocked by the vandalism and believed that someone in the community was out to get them. However, I don't know. Hmm. However, perhaps she, Satan? Oh, God. <laughs> however, she and Bo did not want to give up on their dreams. They reopened the church at a friend's nearby cabin. And this was a much bigger upgrade than the fucking tent. I'm like, yes. I'm like, damn, they should have like asked that friend if that was the option from the beginning because it looked way better yeah, than exactly. the stupid tent. So on the night of July 8th, 1990, during another full moon, the cabin was burned to the ground. And then it turns out to be a Swedish death metal band called Pig Destroyer that did it. That's for you, Corey. <laughs> So investigators <laughs> determined that the fire had been deliberately set. Bo told Debbie that someone was after him. Then on August 4th, during another full moon, the Tanners came home to find their cabin had been completely ransacked. The assailant had left behind the message, Get out! Next to a picture of Bo. They also left a bullet pointed towards his face in the picture. Investors came and searched for fingerprints for the cabin. Investigators. What did I say? You said investors. <laughs> oh, well, they, and they came. They, they came and searched for fingerprints, and they also wanted to invest in the whole ransacked look. It was hot in that area, you know, at that time. Yes, we're looking for a more ransacked-looking cabin. Do you have anything in that? Oh, we have just the place as of last night. So investigators <laughs> apparently came and searched for fingerprints as well as investors. Um uh, you know, you know who actually showed up was uh, uh, who? Who was it? The uh, log cabin fraud guy. He showed. <laughs> <laughs> he showed uh, the 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 investigators were coming looking for his ass. Uh, oh wow! Like, uh, actual completed log cabin. Holy shit! He did it. So um, anyway, they asked Bo to be fingerprinted for elimination purposes. He agreed to meet at the police station on September fourth. At 8 a.m. that morning, he dropped Debbie off at the general store where she worked. He told her that he planned to make his weekly supply run to Columbia Falls, 30 miles away. He never returned. However, at some point that morning, he called an investigator and told him that he was running late. At noon, Debbie also received a phone call from Bo. He told her that he was having car trouble and that he would be coming back later than he planned. He said that he would probably be back around 5 or 6 p.m., However, he never came back. Debbie and her friends, along with the police, searched every road and footpath around Pole Bridge. At first, she believed he had been killed by whoever was after him. However, three days later, she received a letter from him. He told her he had to go back to his family. Debbie was distraught over Bo leaving her. When she went through her mail, she discovered that one month before he vanished, he had taken about $4,000 and emptied their savings. How did she not see that earlier? She must not have signed up for text alerts from Bank of America is my only, <laughs> my only guess. Well, I mean, I, one month before he did all of that, like, 
I would think that you would have you especially with your savings and with your bank account, you'd be checking your balances. I I don't know, especially if you're living in a small town in the middle of nowhere, Montana. See, I kind of go the opposite way with that. I think because you're living in a small town in Montana, you're probably not going to check your savings very much. You're just going to assume it's going to be there. But I can see that too. But for me, I, I look at it differently. It's like well, now that's like, nowadays with smartphones and technology, you can check your bank or your bank that's just going to call you. Like, hey, did you uh, did you know that uh, somebody took out? But then again, it's actually signed. It's probably a, a joint account with her. Yeah, and her probably. And I mean, it, it's because of shit like this happening in the '80s that banks do that now. That kind of bullshit had to happen for banks to step up their game. But it's also joint account, so I don't think they would really ever call you about that because of the fact that it's a joint account. She figured that he was using the money to stay on the run, which would probably be a good assumption. It was his running money. That's what she called it. Running money. <laughs> she later sold the cattle, packed her belongings, and left Montana. Well, I mean, that was the first smart thing you did was leave Montana. Oh, shots fired. Despite the fact that he deserted her, she never... I don't I don't get that. What? She never gave up her search for him. Well, Unless I wasn't even like... able to finish reading that sentence before you said you don't get that. So for everyone else <laughs> out there, it's the sentence Ding. said, despite the fact that she deserted her, she never gave up her search for him. And Mike doesn't understand that. <laughs> well, she's a good old country girl, Mike. She, I believe in the institution of marriage. You're not touching my hoo-ha until Jesus sees that we're married and you put a rag well, on my she finger. Said, she said that uh, she was really ha proud, like that not only she was living her dream, but I think it was kind of insinuated that because he wasn't a, a Christian and she converted him, that she was pretty happy about that. Yeah. And, you know, was he really converted to a Christian or whatever? I don't think he was. I think he was think just it was playing, all a fraud. playing a game. It was all Bono's a, fraud. Yep. Bono's fraud. Bo Jackson reference, guys. Mike was making it all before the podcast, and now it seeped into the actual podcast. That's just great. So six <laughs> months later, she went to Emory, Utah, where Bo had previously lived. God damn, dude. This chick's like traveling all around looking for this motherfucker. To Emory sounds like a podunk. <clears throat> fucking town doesn't it? i mean she needs to learn how to take a hint is what i'm thinking the townspeople recognized him as jim holloway they told her that he had been married to a woman in town named lenora that was a hard one they met and learned that he had abandoned them both after marrying them <laughs> jesus what a piece of shit in fact, Leonora's, Lenora's divorce from him wasn't even final until a year after he and debbie had been married so got some bigamy going on. Debbie learned that he had been married five times and never filed for divorce from each of his wives. He is now wanted for bigamy and is suspected of the church fire and vandalism. So Bo knows bigamy, Bo knows uh, arson, and Bo knows vandalism. Yes. This is a lot this of is things an that obscure, Bo knows. Uh, uh, Bo Jackson, uh, well, like commercial or some shit that Mike's referencing right oh, now. Oh, it's not, it's not that obscure. Like it was big back in the day. Okay, so Mike's referencing a, a commercial right now. So for anyone who doesn't know the Bo knows thing, um, so he uh, result. The update for this is that he was captured. Police determined that Bo's real name is Eddie Riddle Hoover. Wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a fucking name. 
That's it's perfect for his his fucking ass though. <laughs> Riddle Hoover. Well, he's I mean he, he's a fucking enigma for sure, and he's a Hoover, so he sucks. He's, he's yeah. a vacuum, you know. So <laughs> obviously, he's 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 yeah. I mean, there you go. I can see why I wanted to be called something yeah, like Bo Tanner. Yeah, Bo Tanner. Like, give me a more uh, action hero name. Uh, Riddle Hoover isn't getting me the ladies like I'd like it to. <laughs> so his real name is Eddie Riddle Hoover, and he faked his death twice while being investigated by police in Texas and Washington. I knew this guy had something to do with Texas. His whole aura screamed Texas. In Texas, his car was found abandoned on a bridge, and it was assumed that he had committed suicide to, invo- to avoid an arson investigation. In Washington, he faked his death by leaving a large quantity of blood in his car. However, testing determined that it had come from an animal Eddie was arresting. Wait. It come from an animal. Okay. That's the end of the sentence. Wow, guys. I am having a stroke on this <laughs> podcast. The blood had come from an animal. It wasn't from Eddie. Eddie was arrested in Wyoming as a result of the broadcast. However, he could not be charged with bigamy in Washington because the prosecutor refused to file the charge. Uh, okay. That's that's nice of him. However, he could not be charged... Uh, blah, 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 blah. He uh, also could not be charged in the arson case because the statute of limitations had expired. In, on January uh, 20th, 1992, he and Debbie met face-to-face for the first time Whoa. in almost two years. They agreed to divorce, but she was still happy to know he was indeed alive and well. Debbie, you need to go to counseling. Yes. Um, See, here's my thing. Uh, I thought initially she was uh, not giving up the hunt to look for him because she wanted to get him out you know find a way to uh find this guy so that she can get him for uh bigamy and stuff like that you know nail his ass to the fucking wall so to speak but no she wanted to find him legitimately because she still had feelings for him apparently and was still uh hoping that he was okay after everything he did to her it's just like i i don't understand it i mean he must have some kind of uh uh aura about him that uh, she found irresistible. Bo, Bo must have knew how to lay some pipe. That's all I. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that was that was un- uncalled for, Josh. Why'd you have to say that and sully the good name of um? So uh, <laughs> yeah, you know the dude uh, vandalized the. Tr- I mean, what kind of like psychopath? I totally buy that he did that. Oh yeah, like, I, I think some people. She was like, I don't think he did it, but like when you look at his track record, he did it. I mean, more more than likely, he's the one that tore up the church tent. He's the one that burned down the cabin, vandalized the their cabin. The thing though with vandalizing their cabin though, like that one's a little kind of eh because like how is he gonna do that? Since he was with her in the car, like when, or was he? I thought he was with her in the car when they drove up to the cabin and then found it was all damaged. It was all torn up. Uh, there's a possibility that he could have just uh, done that earlier when she was out of town and he was just at the cabin. No, it said the Tanners so. came home to find their cabin had been ransacked. Yeah. But I mean, he, he easily could have just hired. Somebody. He could have hired someone, or he could have done it at an earlier time. Exactly, when she still wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it. What a fucking sociopath, man! Like, 
That's so f- And this isn't crazy. the only time he's done that shit. Like, he is charged with arson before. So. And then on top of that, like, all he gets is, like, essentially a slap on the fucking wrist for, for all that yeah. and all those shenanigans. Uh-huh. Good lord, man. Well, think about all the families he's destroyed because he, what, five different marriages? Different, you know, I, oh, I kill, you know, he's dead. Your dad's dead. No, he's not. He's actually alive and he's a fugitive and he's an asshole. Bo, I'm going Sorry. to need you to acknowledge your privilege right now. Acknowledge <laughs> your privilege. Acknowledge it. He's like, yeah, my privilege to scam you, you uh, dumb broads out of your money. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. It's pretty much how he would, that's the sentiment that he would, he would probably feel. So uh, that's, that's the Bo Tanner case. Uh, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. The segment was really good. Um, I love stuff like this. The music though, uh, whenever Unsolved Mysteries tries to do the country music, it sounds like it's done on a, on a Casio and it's just, uh. It's oh wait, really. there was a sec- um yeah, sometimes they get it wrong. Sometimes they get it right though. They have the, a nice slide guitar like a boom. Yeah. Like they do yeah, that a lot. Th- this was not one of them. And then sometimes the, the they mute. have the uh they have like the uh fucking ragtime piano and I like the one that they do for uh the treasures. Like that one's fun. Yeah. I, I don't mind that one. The one here was just really bad, I thought. It was so they have then they have like if usually a lot of times if it's a treasure and it's out in some kind of a wilderness there's like the mystic flute kind of music <laughs> uh i like to call which they use for the magic rock <laughs> i like i like that i like that a lot they have some good music cues in there um i still got to get a the lucky rock i still gotta get a fucking record player man and play that unsolved mysteries record i haven't i haven't yeah. even heard it yet man and you got the money for record player. Just buy one of the newer ones. I, I have the money for it. They're I just like don't... USB, USB powered or something. I just don't have the space for it. Oh, kind of like I don't, I don't know. I need to make space in my room somehow, some way. Yeah. I, I, I'm speaking of Bo. I also heard that he knows how to uh, charge people to go to church because I read somewhere that he was actually charging people to come into that church that tent. shitty tent. Yeah. That shitty unair conditioned tent. He was charging people for service. So what am I supposed to be reading on the sitcoms.com thing? Oh, the red in part? Yeah. So according to the Unsolved Mysteries segment, Tanner is wanted on a charge of bigamy. As you were one of the lead detectives on the case, it is my understanding that you would have information on a possible capture of Mr. Because Tanner. Because this 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 uh gal on the on the message board, she contacted the sheriff. Yeah. Uh, are there any updates to this incredibly old case? We would appreciate any information you would be willing slash able to share with us. And she, to be honest, she didn't expect a response from him, but I got one very quickly, I might add. It read, Bo Tanner's real name was Eddie Riddle Hoover, and he faked his death in Houston, Texas, years before his 1990 disappearance from Montana. When the Unsolved Mysteries program aired, I received a call from the Texas wife who thought he was dead. His car had been found on the Houston Ship Channel bridge, and everyone assumed that he had jumped to avoid an arson investigation. He also faked his death under another alias in Washington State, blah, blah, I already read all that on the wiki or whatever. Um, he was found in Wyoming with a new girlfriend, but could not be held. Yeah, this is... He went He went back to, he went to Wyoming this time around. This is all not shit. Not Montana, I re- Wyoming. I read all this already. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably where they got it. But I thought there was like a nice little bit of detail there with the whole stuff with Houston, Texas. Right. Um, and it's nice to know that as a fan of the show, you can just try to find a way to contact 
people who were, who were interviewed and get a response. Which we know because that's we've we we've actually been able to contact people and 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 talk to them on the podcast. It'd be nice to do that again. Yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten anyone from the show on here in a long time. I need to work on that. I just like it just seemed like people didn't give a shit, like weirdly enough. Like you would think that that would be something people would care the most about and those we get like the highest plays on our SoundCloud, but those are actually uh like, especially when I did the individual interview segments, I figured, oh, man, those would get a lot of hits. And I mean, people just didn't seem to really care that much. I mean, I guess I guess unless you get on like John Cosgrove or Terry Moyer or yeah. Robert Stack. Good luck with yeah, that never happening. You know, or Robert <laughs> Stack. You know, if you don't if you don't get on like some key people or like, you know, Tara Calico or some like real big names, you know, some heavy hitters, people aren't really yeah. going to care as much. That would be awesome. Like you, you find a way to interview Robert Stack from Beyond the Grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. The next case we're going to be doing is a case of Robert Borton. And Mike is going to take this one. Yes. This is a case that is... Uh, really uh fantastic in my opinion like it, it has all the conspiracy stuff it's uh exemplifies unsolved mysteries because it's like a very mysterious circumstance there's all these different threads to it that just make you go huh you know it, it's 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 one of those that it still is quite eerie and it's not like oh it's scary or anything it's just the how things unfold and how there are so many unanswered questions with this case and how uh, a certain entity is still like st- uh, you know being firm on their stance about like nothing nothing's out of the ordinary here it's it, it you know it's like what robert stack it, said it's 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 like straight out of a tom clancy novel this segment yeah it is so this is a case of Robert Borton, a.k.a. Kurt, uh, He liked to, as he liked to have been called. So along with 58,000 who lost their lives, the Vietnam, Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. also carries the names of hundreds of GIs who were officially unaccounted for. One such name is that of Robert C. Borton Jr., known as Kurt. However, Kurt's family believe his name should never have been inscribed on the wall in the first place. For Kurt's sister, Diane, and the rest of his family, they're convinced Kurt is alive and living in the United States with a new identity. I know my brother's Kurt's alive. I've seen him on three separate occasions in Washington, D.C., and I have not one doubt in my mind that that was my brother, and he's very much alive to this day. And uh, that's his sister, Diane, quoted. When Kurt enlisted in the Marines, he was 19 years old. Damn, that's young. Eight months later, just 19 days after arriving in Vietnam, he found himself on night patrol near the city of Da Nang. It was not long after that that Robert Borton received the visit that every father dreads. I, I didn't know what to think. It, it hit me really hard. They, they said he was missing in action, so I had hopes that they find him right away. And listening to the news all the time, hoping that something would come up where they found him. But they never did. It never happened. I felt so much for his dad in that interview because you could see the emotion on his face. Yeah, yeah. And his dad, man, th- this is uh, this dude's. Uh, he, you can tell he's not too bright, but he, he seems like a very genuine, loving guy. You know, they, they yeah, he's, he's he's a real deal. They even say in the segment that he had pretty much the li- he did not know he was functionally illiterate. Like the dude didn't yeah. know how to read, which will come into play later. But yeah, he's he's the genuine article. Yeah. What you see is what you get. Exactly. 
So two years passed with not a single word about Kurt's fate. Still, the Bortons prayed for a miracle. And according to Wanda Borton, Kurt's stepmother, in September of 1968, one was delivered. We subscribed to a marine magazine, uh, Levernecks, and I was just going through it, and all of a sudden I see this picture, and it just jumped at me like, there's our son. I wasn't expecting to see a picture of him, but it was him. Uh, and they show the picture. It's blurry. I don't, I can't, I don't know how they're, I, I know for sure, 100%, that's my son. I'm like, I can't even see the face that well. Like, it's, it's blurry. It's, it's, it's not in focus. I, it's, 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 you know, it's wishful thinking at, at, exactly. at its finest. You know, your son isn't technically, uh, deceased. Uh, he's just labeled as missing in action. So any, picture from that area that you see you're gonna think you know that's uh that that could be my son in in that picture you have wishful thinking so the photograph had been taken a full year after kurt was reported missing wanda borton was convinced the soldier was her son we took it down to the marine casualty office and then we got a letter back saying it couldn't be him because this didn't match that and in other words they claimed that it was not our son yeah, because it wasn't your son. <laughs> then a few years later, the Bortons came across what they believe was additional evidence. It was a frame from a 16mm film shot in a Viet Cong prison camp in 1968. According to Robert Borton, the prisoner looked quite familiar. As soon as I saw it, I said, there's my boy again right there. And they show this picture again. I don't see it. To me, it kind of looks Asian, doesn't it? It looks like it's Bruce Lee or something. I mean, I, I, I don't... That, that doesn't look anything like him. I don't recall what the picture looked like, honestly. It, it's on... Uh, oh, okay, it's on there. Oh, okay, let me see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. That that guy looks like... Uh, he looks like the guy in Full Metal Jacket who went crazy. Um, yeah. Started, like, uh, who got beat in the uh, boot camp thing, whatever. He kind of looks like that guy. With the first one or the second one? The first what? Oh, the first, the first, the first the, image. The first image. Because the second image looks Asian to me. Yeah, it looks slightly Asian. Yeah. It, isn't this the best radio when we're describing a visual that no one else can see? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's lovely. It's fantastic. However, Major Dave Greco, spokesperson for the Marine Corps, believed the Bortons were mistaken. Dude, this, guy this guy is a dick. I don't like this guy. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say he's a dick. I just think he's he's just being fed a bunch of stuff. Like he he's just saying what he's been taught and what he's been asked. Yeah, to he's say. just he's spouting off the party lines. Yeah, he's being a good soldier. So each of the service members in that photograph has been positively identified. We've spoken to each one of them, and none of them is Robert Borton. Now, with this particular instance, I believe him. I believe him in this this particular instance when he's interviewed here. I don't believe that any of those men are Robert Borton. If it had ended with the two photographs, Kurt's family might have dropped the entire matter. But the Bortons say that there's much more. According to Robert, in the summer of 1976, he was approached by two strangers who claimed to be agents of the Department of Defense. They want to know if for my son's own personal safety if I declare him dead. I said, no, I won't do that. They told me that I'd get a large sum of money, and I said, I'm not concerned about the money. They got in the car and left, and they said, do not tell nobody about it. And, of course, he tells everybody about it. <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries. 
But for Major Greco, this proved to be an unlikely scenario. We don't work that way. We do things in a very professional manner. We would not approach someone to elicit them to change their son's status in the public in the public parking lot of a shopping mall. Yeah, maybe you don't work that way, but maybe some secret uh, clandestine uh, part of the FBI or uh, another part of the government might work that way. Uh, not might they do work that way. I mean, look at the case. Was it Casalaro? What was the one? No, the one with the bill. Remember the guy who. Uh, the the one where there's like these people in suits ransacked that his uh, wife's home, like just came in and just ran, ransacked her home looking for something. Remember that particular case? Like yeah, most of the time, a a uh, certain organization would not operate in that sort of fashion. But one that is technically and already feels like they are above the law always, they're gonna work like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, are they are they going to keep this guy, you know, this spokesperson on unsolved mysteries for the military? Military? Are they going to keep this guy abreast on every single thing? No, they're... he probably doesn't even know what's going right. on. That's why I don't think he's a dick. I just think he just he just he honestly does not know all the facts in this. I guess he, I guess the only reason I feel like scenario. he's a dick is like you got two sides to it. It, it it's like the family are way too wishful thinking. And then this guy is way too Debbie Downer dream killer. Yeah. That's, I guess that's what bothers me. Uh -huh. the, the diametrically opposed extreme, uh, that's a military for you though. It, yeah. Um, you know, rigid and, and strict and, and, and uh, matter of fact. So the, the reenactments in this are all great. Uh, the one where the, the dad is getting accosted by these strange men in suits and asks him to sign something. Uh, and, and it's, it's crazy. Like the large sum of money. It's like some people would act, be very persuaded by that. Well, the funny thing is, is the guy, the, the military guys on camera saying, you know, we don't work that way. We wouldn't approach Mr. Borton in a shopping mall parking lot. Uh, yeah. It would be very professional. We'd be in uniform in their home, and even then, we would yeah. we wouldn't solicit a signature. Yet, how do you explain a forty three thousand dollar check coming to the dude in the mail? Yeah. Well, weeks later. later. Yeah. What is some is some fake fraudulent organization that's posing as I, a government? Are they going to cut a forty three thousand yeah. dollar check? No, no, they're not going to do that. Exactly. The, I don't think it's his branch of the military that's doing these things. That's my that that's my argument for why he's like we don't do that because it's not his particular branch of the military. So it's like I, okay, I'm, well where where I think did it's this more CIA or FBI? Yeah, where did this forty three thousand dollars come from? If you don't do that, if you guys don't do that, who what what benevolent ass foundation is cut? It's it, not benevolent. It's the fucking. It's 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 not his. Is his area of expertise? I know, but I'm That's just. I'm I, I know, I, and I agree with you, but I'm just like I'm just razzing this guy. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> pulling, breaking him over the coals right now because of how you know nobody's gonna lie about getting a forty three thousand dollar check. It's like I got I got a check for this amount of money, you know, and it yeah. came from the government, and I got it as a result of signing papers from people that you on camera, military guy, are saying that your guys don't do. 
So well, it's like it's like whenever the military was asked about Area Fifty One, they'd be like, "It doesn't exist," right. and like, it's right there. Right. I, I, it's on, there's a there's a giant. No, it's not. Fence. You don't see it. It's not there. there. There's a fence that says any and trespassers will be shot. The, what are you talking the, the, about? The like, military it, it, the military guys like standing in front of the the Area Fifty One, waving his arms around, jumping up and down. No, it's not here. You don't see it. That's not here. This does not exist right now. The thing that you are looking at. <laughs> So Robert claimed that the two men pursued him aggressively over a period of weeks, always confronting him in a public place. Robert is functionally illiterate, and eventually he signed the document without knowing what it said. And so I agreed to declare him dead for his own safety. When they told me for his own safety, well, then I knew he was alive. And in the end, Robert received a check for $43,000. I mean, I don't know about you. I could use $43,000. Yeah, sli- yeah, slightly. That, yeah, that might think that may might make things a little easier. Pay off my car, fucking pay off my stupid remaining student loans. You'd be like, well, he he's he's alive. I know he's alive. Okay, well, he's obviously if he's alive, then he's a part of some clandestine underground government thing, uh, a group or whatever, and his identity has probably been changed already. And there's probably a lot of stuff going on in terms of uh, I'm trying to remember what that name uh, witness protection or whatever. Uh, so it, it's one of those things that's like, eh, maybe, yeah, I'll take the forty three thousand. You know, like I'm not really gonna be able to to you know if he's if he's alive. He might, he, he's already kind of dead anyway at least the guy that I the, the 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 son that I know because he's under a new identity so yeah give me the money <laughs> <laughs> give me the loot give me the loot um and also I I just I what I don't want to mess around with fucking shady government types like I just be like okay fine like I don't I don't want you to like put cancer on my doorknob or something or or accost me at, at gunpoint later like just all right, fine. I'll do it if you just leave me alone. You don't want to fuck with the government, really. No, <laughs> no. If they, if they have, if they're taking, if they're starting to take interest in you, you want to make that stop as soon as possible. Because if they're, if they're interested in you, then some, then, then they can make you disappear with no repercussions. Exactly. So the men swore him into secrecy, but he eventually confessed to his family. The Bortons then decided to go to Washington, D.C. to further investigate Kurt's case. On several occasions, they were allowed to examine Kurt's official files. According to, according to Diane, the entries regarding Kurt's death kept changing. They had him killed in March or April of 1966. In 1967, they have a story of him being with an engineer crew and being killed. They had him killed on paper se- several times. But according to Major Greco, there is a specific reason for the confusion. I think a lot of what families read may be the report of a witness. These people, Vietnam villagers, are remembering things that happened to them 25 years ago. So there are often errors in years. There are often errors in months. Many times, they only understand things from the cycles of planting and harvesting crops. Now, with this particular uh, reasoning, I think it's valid in some cases of the dates being wrong, but like several times... Like that that makes me feel like it, that I don't buy the idea that oh it's all coincidence at this point. I really don't. It's several times. You know 
do you know the chances of that being incorrect several times? It's not very high. They're not very high. Right, right. So the Bortons continued to dig for evidence that Kurt was still alive. In the process, the family believed that someone was becoming increasingly curious about them. Diane and other family members became convinced that their phones were tapped. And that's terrifying. <laughs> You're just talking to somebody on the phone and then you hear a click on the other end. You're, you're talking to him on the phone, and you're just like, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I think I think the government's uh, covering up, uh, you know, our son's death, and you just hear, no, we're not. Oops. And it's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> One of Diane's cousins is certain that the entire family was being watched. He asked that his identity not be revealed. So he's all covered in a sil silhouette and everything. So every morning, there would be a car pull out of office, uh, parking lot and they would follow me into work and then I'd find them behind me again on my way home and after that for about a month and a half two months I wasn't followed anymore and then we started noticing them again because in, in the reenactment it actually shows him confront them and he's like I know you're following me and you better stop no, actually, it. I something. actually like this actor. Oh. He like walks up. Yeah, he's he did a great. He job. walks up to the car and he's like, "Hey, just to let you guys know, I'm going to be going to the gym this time, and then I'm going to go to my office." And the guy in the car is like, what are you talking about? And he goes, you guys have been following me for the last few months. And I'm just letting you know where I'm going this time, you know, to save you some trouble or whatever. And yeah. then apparently it stopped for a few months after he had confronted him. Then it started again. Exactly. So I, I find it kind of funny that he's doing the uh, hiding his identity thing. It's the fucking government. They know who you are. <laughs> Right. It doesn't matter. Like, do you really think you're going to cover yourself in a silhouette on Unsolved Mysteries and they're not going to know? Oh, yeah, it's for that, that fucking, you know, that guy. Hey, uh, send out another order to follow his ass again. <laughs> I mean, really. As part of his job in a security company, Diane's cousin often ran routine credit checks. At Diane's request, he entered Kurt's social security number in the system and he made an unsettling discovery. I entered it into the computer and it came back in valid entry. That number has never been issued. That same day I had left work and was heading home. I was headed home and I was approached by someone. They very pleasantly called me by my name and the man was armed and he accosted Diane's cousin at gunpoint. He told the cousin to forget everything he saw and threatened to harm his family if he refused. Now, this is another good reenactment because the guy who they cast to be the government guy yeah, he was. He was all like cocky and shit. I loved that scene. That, that, was, that yeah. was a fantastic scene. Like he's, you know, coming out of the building and the guy walks up and he goes, hey, how's it going? And he puts the gun up to his stomach. He goes, what you did today was really stupid. And he goes, what are you, what are you talking about? He goes, now you know what I'm talking about. He goes, if you do it again, then, you know, I'll hurt your family or something like that. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he just like pats him on the shoulder and walks away. <laughs> Yeah, and he smiles yeah, at him. Yeah, you're like, like, what the fuck, dude? That's some crazy like, yeah, shit. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah you he's know. like, yeah, you do. And, th and that's just scary. It's terrifying. Imagine being in his shoes there. Like, I I'd be paranoid for the rest of my fucking life after that. I really would be. Because it was just like an immediate, like immediately, as soon as he put that number into the, into the system, they're on him. I mean, they could have easily probably in broad daylight just probably maybe shot him or dragged him out back in an alley, shot him, and then drove off, and then nobody, you know, would ever know anything. He just would have disappeared. Right. 
That's why you don't fuck with the government. Take the fucking payouts. <laughs> <laughs> take, take the money and shut up. You, you saw nothing. I mean, and also at the same time, it's like, you, you you know if you if you're being offered money you're lucky like normally there are a lot of instances where you don't get money you just get a gun in your chest and threats so the man left soon after according to diane's cousin he was threatened because he had stumbled upon evidence that kurt might still be alive it would seem to fit together that maybe he was being used for covert operations and in order to keep him from talking about these covert operations he was given a new identity and instructions not to contact anyone from this from his past it was shaping up as a scenario right out of a Tom Clancy novel. But the most mysterious events were yet to come. In 1990, a full 24 years after Kurt Borton supposedly died in Vietnam, Diane was moved to a suburb of Washington. She moved to a suburb of suburb of Washington, D.C. She was moved. <laughs> she was moved to a suburb as punishment. It was there that Diane believed that she had a chance encounter with her brother at a gas station. I was stunned. It was my brother, and I, I, I couldn't, and I didn't even, didn't even have time to react. And the guy who plays the brother does a great job, too. Although he, he, and he just says this cryptic thing. He just says this cryptic statement to her. Yeah, I would say uh, the, the, the guy who played the brother, though, he didn't really have to act too hard. It was just kind of like, stand there, to be honest, stand there and look ominous. Yeah. <laughs> That's harder than it looks sometimes, though. Because he didn't have that much that uh, that many lines of dialogue, and you'd be surprised how hard it is to show emotion effectively and efficiently without saying anything in that in that type of instance. So I thought he did a really good job showing the the type of emotion that you get from someone who really desperately wants to speak out more or go out and hug his sister but he he can't and he's got he's got other things going on in his mind yeah i i, I thought it was a really solid performance and i swore we talked about this case at one time but or maybe we we're Mike, going it's to, gotten to the point then, where you think we've talked about every case ever well you thought the same with lisa lisa kimmel at first so i'm not alone so <laughs> so anyway he says some cryptic statement like it looks like it's going to snow today or something. And then he just goes off. He just drives off. And like it, it wasn't it didn't the weather wasn't at all like that. And it was just like that's just like what the fuck. <laughs> right. I mean, if I if I were in her shoes, I'd just be like, what? What is that supposed to mean? So the next April, Diane claimed she saw Kurt again. We were heading down 395 and a red car pulled up beside us. I looked over and it was my brother. It was the same red car I'd seen at the gas station. He looked at me and he grinned and he shot in front of us like and uh, like slowed down a little bit. And then I wrote down the license plate number. And then he sped up and zipped over in the other lane and zipped off the exit, which was at Quantico Marine Station. Ooh. Juicy. Boom, dam, boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, boom, dam, boom, dam, boom, bam, bam. So... The whole thing, though, where it's like he pulled up next to me and he'd grin like that could like what if that wasn't your brother? What if that was just some, some like some, fucking some creep? pervert? Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. So Diane traced the license plate number to a man who lived in Virginia, but he claimed to know nothing about Kurt. A few months later, in July of 1991, Diane said that Kurt made another mysterious appearance. By this time, Diane 
said that at least one of Kurt's war buddies had confirmed that Kurt was still alive, but he had come home a disturbed and dangerous man. And when Diane saw her brother again, she did not approach him. I had been told he was potentially dangerous. I had my two children with me, and I just couldn't take that chance that he could possibly be dangerous and harm my children. I know now that that was a mistake. If I had to do it all over again, I would have turned around. I would have faced him. I would have talked to him. I would have threw my arms around him and hugged him. But I was afraid. Yeah, that's cr- that's they, crazy that one of his war buddies yeah. was like, yeah, he's back and he's like fucked up in the head. Like, you you don't want to be near this guy. Like, that's just so crazy, man. Like, who, like, yeah. go back to the war buddy and be like, hey, man, like, uh, you know, where... How do you know that? You know, give me some more info. I don't know. It's just the whole thing is so crazy. So today, the Borton family believes that Kurt was part of a secret government operation. Diana in particular believes her brother was attempted, has attempted to contact the family in order to let them know he's alive without endangering himself by exposing his new identity. I talked to a man who claims to be a secret returnee. He said they were allowed to come back as long as they didn't contact their families or let anybody know that they're back. The official status was there were no more live POWs in Southeast Asia, and they couldn't bring back live POWs when they've already taken the stand that all the POWs are home or dead. That's that's and, a silly uh, rule. The, yeah, the government guy, uh, the military guy, he gets asked about this. He's like, "There's no plans to do anything like this. Like that's not, you know." And 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 why would you know Kurt? be considered for a secret operation like he wasn't uh skilled enough he didn't know uh different languages he had only been in the marines for a certain amount of time and he was young which honestly that that does kind of make sense you know like if if the dude didn't really have any you know why would that but then maybe maybe it's because he was he could have just been a grunt yeah he's just he's yeah maybe he's expendable because he was so young and you know yeah, expendable, I guess. Maybe, you know, I don't know. But then again, I, I see the other guy's point, too, that, you know, why? But it could it could have just, the secret operation could have simply just been an, an, a normal military operation, but, like, didn't need to have uh, expertise in different languages or any of these other things. He could have just been a, a, a grunt, a physical guy, a guy who's just there to pull a trigger. You don't have to be... Uh, that experience to do that and i wouldn't be surprised if there's more instances of these type of uh military men who were brought into these operations and then had to completely throw their lives behind you know away for their own safety once it's over or they're stuck in this cycle of these operations where they were in one operation in vietnam then it leads to another one and then something happens during one, they get all fucked up in the head, and then there's all these other things that are going on, and because they're considered to be dead, the government doesn't want to really do that much, uh, except try to keep them involved with these operations, because they're they're uh, good operatives for these type of uh, clandestine operations and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's one of those things, it's just, what happened to Kurt Borton? Despite the official record, his family remains convinced that he's very much alive and that one day he will come home. And I, I believe the family in this case. I really do. Yeah, it'd be nice if we had some kind of update for that, though. 
Because to be honest, it's like, oh, it's hard to believe. But then it's like, why would any of these family members make up all of these fucking things? Yeah, I mean, it's one thing if like a mother and father make it up. But like when you start getting like uh, sisters and extended family and like, you know, family friends and just all this chain of people saying all this stuff. At that point, you add so much more credibility, I'd say, like, yeah, then. But you also have the teeth. Okay, they didn't mention this on Unsolved.com thing, but. His remains were supposedly identified uh, that the te- by his teeth that were found in a gravesite in Vietnam. But they were only identified by the military. None, nothing, there was no other outside source that identified any of these teeth. So for me, it's like, I'm with the family and being suspicious of that. Like, for all they know, it could just be fucked some other random soldier's teeth. They just said, this is your, your son's teeth. He's dead. Leave it alone. Stop trying to find him. And like, if, it, if, it, if this strange person that is that the sister keeps seeing is not her brother, or if you have the whole scenario where uh, the father got a phone call from this guy who said, you know, do you do you, uh, he asked some certain questions, I think, about some t- sort of thing where like, uh, do you know this certain bit of information? And the father answered, yes. And he's like, he's going to come see you soon. Like, you're going to see him soon. And then his dad never saw him. So, like, is it a prank? It seems to be like way too involved to be a prank. What does the d- dad have to gain by lying about the government, like the, the guys in suits accosting him in public, asking him to sign a document? And the document exists. They show it in on, 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 on the segment. So it's not like he made that up because the document actually exists. Um, is there something going on where there's people that were going around asking people to sign off that they're family members that were missing in action are are actually dead is there is there something in the government where like oh you sign that we'll give you money and then they get a cut like what what why is that what's going a legal on with thing, that so they can't like sue or i don't know yeah it's probably a legal thing there's just so many different things going on with this particular case that are so mysterious no pun intended that it's hard for me to believe that oh this is all just uh wishful thinking by the parents and whatever and the and the and the family like if if it was just the pictures then i'd be along with everybody else and be like okay yeah no that's not their their son it clearly is not their son but it isn't just the pictures so that's what makes this case so unsettling and so memorable because there's all these different elements to it that are just like huh like what the hell is going on here and there's other cases like that that have been featured on the show that have this sort of clandestine government sort of thing. Like that one guy who disappeared, the soldier, and he was very qualified. And he they just found his car in the middle of the desert somewhere, and they've never heard from the guy since. Yeah, man. We'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. I don't know how that fits with this particular case. It, it okay. doesn't. I I just kind of I kind of zoned out, and I thought about that awful Toby Keith song. Oh, the red, white, and blue. 
All right, well, uh, I think that's all the time we got because I got to get ready for trivia. Do you have anything to say about the anything else to say about this particular case? Um, n- no, I mean, I don't. I have no idea. I have no answers. I'm just as uh, at a loss as everyone else is. You know, like I just, I just loved the the journey. You know, I loved the mystery. I loved the uh, the uh, don't tell anybody about this. Don't ask about it. You know, it was almost like the same exact thing when we did the. Um, the lady last week or the week before, the stripper or the go-go dancer or whatever, and she went, you know, well, yeah. she when she died, you know, the husband tried to get information, and everyone's like, don't, don't even pursue it, just drop it, man, you know, like shit like that, man. It's so mysterious to me, like what, 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 you know, like why? I hate not knowing stuff. I lo- I'm, a, I'm an information freak. I love information. So anytime there's a word I don't know or some some event I don't know about, like bohemian grove or something like that like i have to like find out about it you know and so mysteries are like i don't know there's they're tantalizing as robert stack calls them on unsolved mysteries sometimes he's like another tantalizing mystery it tantalizes my titties i i love it yeah so anyway that's uh i think that's all the time we got for uh this week um if you guys want to again you know the facebook i already did that spiel um make sure you stick around for the b-roll if you want to hear about my 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 heirloom um you can find me and mike on facebook if you want more of us separately but always ever so equally mike's uh his youtube channel is youtube.com slash ocp communications he's a movie guy uh he talks about movies uh mike what was the last movie you talked about i actually i talked about a couple films i posted uh two reviews of Overlord, which is a 2018 action horror film, takes place in World War II. It's got Nazi uh, reanimated corpses and stuff. It's it's as as if it, it's like an unofficial Castle Wolfenstein film almost. Oh, nice. It's like it's like the best Resident Evil film that I've seen that isn't that a Resident was, Evil the movie. The best Resident Evil film that was never made. Yeah, it was. It's actually quite good. I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, it was a nice throwback. And then uh, I really went back in time with my latest uh, review, which is of a 1972 film called Skyjacked, which stars Charlton Heston and a young James Brolin. And it's like a whodunit about who's the one that's hijacking the plane and so on and so forth. So it, it was it was it was I thought it was pretty good for what it was. So um, if you're a fan of 70s disaster flicks, definitely give that a watch sometime. Right on. My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. I do all kinds of videos, um, taste tests, show reviews, uh, music reviews, uh, wrestling videos that nobody watches. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Yeah, wrestling videos that nobody watches. Um, I did a tour of Jacksonville, Florida on there. So if you want to see my hometown, I did a tour of that. Um, Were there criminals everywhere? No, not it was the daytime, so no. Um, there's my my. <laughs> that would be hilarious. You do a tour of Jackson. You get robbed. Like, huh? There actually was there was a viral video on the news of uh, of a lady, uh, a news anchor on location doing a report on something, and someone literally like robbed her on camera. Just mugged her. Yeah, on camera. like for real. Shit. Like that's out there. Um, so yeah, I I haven't been able to do a new video in like about two weeks because I've been. 
Uh, we are in the process of uh, re-recording some old Dancing with Ghost songs since Stephanie's in the band now. And as a lot of you know who got my first album, uh, she was not on that album. So we're remastering, retooling, recafuculating, uh, changing the melodies and the music on some of the old songs. And I'm going to release a definitive edition of my uh, of the Dancing with Ghosts album. It's going to be my third album. Uh, and it's going to be just the definitive best of, I guess. I took the best or... The most fan, you know, fan rated, the highest fan rated, most popular songs from the first album and second album. And I made just a killer, you know, 12 or 13 track compilation. It's going to have a new song on there. Right now, it's just the working title, Brother. Uh, it's a new song, really good song. Um, new artwork. Like a sequel to Mother. I never had a song <laughs> called Mother, but okay. Uh, no, I meant like... Uh you remember that song, Mother by oh, Danzig? Oh, Danzig. Yeah, no, no, not, not at all. Um, and we'll be doing a video for that, and that's what I got going on. But uh, yeah, until next time, oh. uh, we will talk to you uh, later. Have a good night. Bye. See ya. Alrighty. All right, Barney. <laughs> so uh, to, to finish out uh, 2018, I, I do have a, a nice little anecdote um, that many of you, I'm sure, will find entertaining. Um, <laughs> so, it was last Saturday I was doing the podcast, okay? I was, like, literally recording the podcast with Mike, and I see my phone ring, and I, it's a number that I don't know, and I'm just letting it ring, and then I see the person leaves a voicemail, which I, automatically I'm like, oh, that's a red flag, because nobody leaves voicemails anymore. And I checked the voicemail, and it's from my grandfather's uh, wife, or girlfriend, I should say. My grandfather recently passed away, well, he passed away back in, like, I think September or something, or October. See, the thing about my grandfather is nobody liked him because he was a fucking douchebag. So nobody really cared that much when he died. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds awful but the guy was a piece of shit hey it's true uh folks this is a prime example of why you should not be a douchebag yeah uh, for all of your life right yeah i mean he he fucking uh emotionally scarred me as a child he would taunt me and make fun of me and my weight you know being eight seven and eight years old he'd what an asshole he'd take me to church and you know in front of his friends he'd say things like yeah he's definitely not missing a meal huh ha 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 and all his church all his old fucking church he's friends. not a grandpa he's a grand asshole yes he's a grand <laughs> asshole and uh yeah he just and he treated my dad like shit you know growing up it was just his whole chain of like verbal abuse and uh, a bunch of other oh, shit fuck him yeah fuck sorry. him sorry yeah he's yeah <laughs> nobody's sad that he's dead so anyway his his uh oh and then then like the coup de gras on top of that whole situation is when my grandmother was dying who w was liked and was a, a good lady for the most part um, when she was dying, my grandfather was already, already had some, something, uh, lined up. You know what I'm saying? Like he already had a little side piece lined up for, uh, that he was already starting to talk to while my grandmother was in hospice and, shit. oh yeah, yeah, no, he just, just golden, just golden brown shit over here. Fresh. Gutter trash. So my grandmother dies and almost instantly my grandfather moves the girlfriend into 
my grandma's house where they were living. Wow. This is our family house. You know, this is the house that we spent many, many Christmas Eves and Thanksgivings at. Uh, had gr- my teenage years were spent growing up in that house. And now some other bitches in there that uh, none of us know. And, and uh, you know, and his whole excuse was, I didn't want to be lonely. And it's like, bitch, if you weren't a piece of shit, we would have gladly still visited you because he knew he knew that he was an asshole and nobody liked him. So he knew after my grandma died, no one was going to want to fuck with his old ass. So uh, that so he got this girlfriend so he wouldn't be lonely. So this bitch moves in and um, <clears throat> almost instantly they uh, they get married, I guess. And um, basically what happens is when he died the house and all their assets were supposed to go to my dad, my aunt and my other aunt. That was supposed oh. to be an inheritance, a thing that they were left. Yeah. But now, who do you think it all went to? Oh, it's his 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 new wife, right? Yes. It all went yeah. to his new wife who has mm-hmm. been in the picture for all of the last 5 years. So, I mean, some just gold digging at its finest, just perfectly executed on her part. Perfect, like, just seeing a vulnerable, opportunistic opportunity and jumping in, you know. I don't know if that was on her, though. I could just totally see her. Oh, she knew. She she knew. I could see the grandfather just I mean, don't get me wrong. They're both pieces of shit. They're they're both pieces of shit. But, um, like, it's hard. Like, he's a bigger piece of shit because, you know, he's... She was only a piece of shit, you know, for the last five years. He was a piece of shit his whole life. So there you go. But also, I mean, like, I I, I get what you mean with with her because it's like, well, if she knew about the will and everything, you maybe you would think Mike, that maybe she would try to, you know, say something about it. And be like, well, I don't know if I want to take all of that because you know, Mike, the family and blah blah blah. Mike, they they're both good church-going Christians, too. They both went to church. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? But, Mike, they're I Christians, though. They're good church-going Christians. She's a Christian, so everything... So The BTK killer was a fucking church-going <laughs> Christian. He was a member of the of, of the congregation. Like, he was, uh, he was high up in the church when he was eventually busted because he's a dumbass. He's not as smart as he thinks he is because he thought that he'd... Uh, get one up on on the on the on law enforcement by using computers and stuff but he didn't know how to use computers uh, to like keep his identity from being found so he like left this floppy disk that had like this information on it but like he didn't do his due diligence to like go back and erase the dates and other stuff like that from when the document was made so yeah anyway that computer that's, was made on so yeah that's a whole other story yeah that's a whole but, other yeah. story so so th- my point is this chick like started dating my grandfather, knowing that he was married to my grandmother who was dying, knowing and th- so she gives you a phone call. Yeah. So so she gives me a phone call. She leaves a voicemail and and she's like, you know, Josh, this is uh, Lou uh, or um, Don's wife, um, Donna. And, <laughs> Don and Donna. Yeah, and and his and my aunt, his daughter is named Donna as well. So yeah, Weird. that kind of inbred ass mentality. Uh, you know, oh, I wanna, I wanna. <clears throat> excuse me. I wanna date someone. I wanna <laughs> marry someone named Donna too. 
Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, she says in the voicemail that uh, that um, he has some money that he left for me and my brother because he oh. he felt you know bad because he didn't really have anything to leave us. So, but he did have this old money, and I'm sitting there going, nothing to leave us, dude. You got like a fucking four wheeler at your place. You got that house. You got. All kinds of tools. You, you, there's so much shit you could have left us. What are you talking about? The nothing to leave yeah. us. So I humor her and I give her a call back. And first of all, I call my mom and I'm like, Mom, you know, fucking Dawn's Donna. Dawn's bitch <laughs> is calling me and saying she has money for me. What should I, you know, do you know anything about this? And she's like, uh, no, I don't. Give her a call and see what she wants, you know, because nobody likes her either. Um, you know, make, make no mistake. Nobody in our family likes her. Um, so I call her and she tells me that, yeah, you know, your, your, your grandfather wanted to leave you this old money and, and it was something that his dad had held on to for him and we couldn't find it. And and, and Don thought it was stolen and he said he was going to kill whoever stole it because he was so upset because he wanted to leave that money for you for you guys and he was just so upset and then we finally found it and blah 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 and and my grandson he he looked it up and it's real and it's worth a lot of money and i'm just like <laughs> okay uh, it's, so this was on saturday after the podcast that i called her uh-huh. and so i go okay well i can come and get it sunday and she's like all right that sounds good so Sunday rolls around. I grab my brother because I ain't going there by myself. I grab my brother and I'm like, hey, you're coming with me to do this thing. That's most likely going to be a, a huge, <laughs> a huge farce. But whatever, we'll humor, humor them. So I went over there and I had to see her for the first time. And she, like I was under the impression that she was like in her 40s or something, that she was a bit on the you know younger side relative to my grandfather, who was like 74. Um, yeah. This dude, this chick walks out. She looks like an old lady her in her own right. She looks like she's at least in her mid sixties, and 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 uh, I'm just like, okay, whatever. And uh, so she walks out, and she hands me this envelope or this clear plastic kind of pouch, and it's got what appears. Let me grab it here to be some old ass money, and I'm like, okay, all right, all right. And you know, even the the one hundred dollar yeah. bill here. Uh, I can post a picture of this shit on the uh, group if you guys want to see it. Uh, you know, it's like it looks really old. I didn't actually touch the money though. My brother well, did. It's a hundred dollar bill at least. <laughs> yeah, my brother handled the money. I didn't. So, um, and you know, my my grandfather's father had had this money all this time, and it, and he said it was from the Confederacy during the Civil War back when they printed out money on paper before they even started using, oh, like, are cotton. You, are you going to go on to uh, Pawn Stars? Uh, I don't think you can go on that anymore, though, because I think that, that show that show has been canceled. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, I, I might I might have done that, Mike. You know, I might have brought this old money that um, my grandfather's father had saved... I mean, grandfather's father, what is that? Uh, uh, almost 100 years that this money has been kept? Great-grandfather, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this money is very old, Mike. And mm-hmm. and they have gone through all this trouble in saving it. And my grandfather, who was a dickhead, wanted 
to give me and my brother this money. And it sounds I, like it's not. It's I have not this. Legit. I have this money in my hands <laughs> right now, Mike. And I went home and I looked at it and I was examining it. And on the fucking face of the bill, on the bottom, in clear letters, it says the word facsimile. <laughs> Fac fucking simile. <laughs> My stupid ass In other words, family. Fake as fuck. My stupid <laughs> ass. Not, they're not even my family. You know what? That's my step grandfather. We always just called him grandfather as a fucking pleasantry. But oh, okay. he's not my 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 real grandfather. Died when my dad was four years old. So I had no chance ever meeting that guy. But these dumb Georgia inbred motherfuckers saved money that they thought was real for over a hundred years that was faker than a three dollar bill and it <laughs> says the word facsimile on the front and of course they're too dumb to know what the fuck facsimile means so they're just going hey this is they probably went to like the first dave and busters that ever opened in like the 1800s and they won like 10 tokens and they're like Hey, young man, step right up. Here's some fake ass money that you can you can hold there on wasn't to. It was Dave and Buster's back then, but I get what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> here's some fake fucking money that you can hold on to, young person. And my fucking grandfather's gr father was probably like, "Oh, gee whiz, moon pie, zip zipper, or whatever old shit people said back then." <laughs> and he fucking rode his his fucking uh, red flyer or whatever that tricycle was down the road, skippity yippity, and. Fucking went to the whites-only restaurant and showed his parents what he got. Wow, gee whiz, mom and dad, look at what I got. Oh, that's good, son. Just make sure you don't spend it because it's obviously fake, you dumbass, who will probably never amounts much. And eventually your sperm will create a piece of shit named Don, uh, who will be a uh, torturous, horrible person. And somewhere along the line, I guess no one conveyed the message that this money is not real. It's queerer than a $3 bill. And as an expression, that's nothing homophobic. Queer means strange, and uh, as a syn synonymous, it doesn't necessarily just mean homosexual. In 2019, I feel like I have to explain that. But anyway, yeah, so a bunch of fake fucking money here. It's uh, <laughs> w not even worth the paper that it was printed on. And, I mean, dude... So he's he's torturing you once again. Beyond the grave. Beyond yeah, the grave. <laughs> yes. So, but, like, the funny thing is, it's like... They have legitimately held on to this money for a long time. This $100 bill is so tattered and worn that you... Well, it's even though it's a facsimile, think about this. If it's an older uh, reproduction, there's a possibility that it might be worth something. Not worth as much as the original uh, real deal, but since it's an older uh, counterfeit, of something that might be worth something that might somebody might be interested in that because you'd be surprised there are people who collect counterfeit you know confederate money and stuff like that so i would still try to look into like possibilities of like okay all right it's fake but what is there someone who might be interested in this old worn tattered fake bill well, for anyone listening to the podcast, I have two $100 bills, uh, a $50 bill, a $5 bill, and a 50-cent bill. So, uh, you know, if anyone, <laughs> if there are any Civil War buffs out there, 
So are all of them, do all of them say facsimile? Or does um, only one say that? The 50 cent bill, the $5 bill, and the $50 bill all say in clear English facsimile. The hundred, uh -huh. the, the $200 bills, they do not say facsimile, but you can tell by handling them, like the paper and all, and they're printed in the same kind of way the other ones are. You, It, it just feels fake. It feels like a fake um, thing, so yeah. But have you ever actually held... Like a, 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 a confederate bill no, before? No, but dude, this literally feels like paper out of like a... Uh, if you, a Monopoly game? You, no, not not a Monopoly game, but like if you've ever held like a book if, from the library that was printed in like 1958 or something, like how that paper yeah. feels, it feels just like that paper. It's like... Okay. Just like modern stock, but not like super, super modern, but like, you know, 19th okay. century shit. Um, so yeah, that... That is a hilarious story of my dumbass. Uh, it's hilarious. Dumbass, it's interesting. Yeah, my dumbass, uh, I guess, kind of family. And uh, my grandfather just giving me one more poke in the eye before he goes <laughs> to hell. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> wow, that Excuse was... Excuse me. I was some air. <coughs> what does that mean, Mike? I saw you made a, a Facebook status on that the other day about swallowing some air. What does that mean? You've never done that before? It fucking sucks. No, I haven't. So what happens is you literally do swallow air instead of like, for example, water or something. And it, it, your body, you, it can't, it, it can't, it doesn't react to that well because it's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? So <laughs> it just causes this coughing fit. Oh, you're talking about you're talking about when you drink something and it goes down the wrong pipe. No, no, not not necessarily. I've done it before, where like it kind of started to happen a little bit there. Uh, I think it's because uh, you're you're breathing in too much or something. I don't know exactly the, the terminology for it, but it does happen on occasion, and it's not always. It, it, the feeling is a lot like going down the wrong tube, like when you're drinking something. But it's without water or without anything. It's just fucking air. It's embarrassing, for one, because then people are like, what the fuck is wrong yeah, with you? Yeah, you sounded like you got a gut punch from Van Damme yeah, or something just then. Exactly. <laughs> but then, but then you, and, and it, it's equally, you know, it's embarrassing, but it's also like really fucking painful and uncomfortable. And like sometimes <laughs> it takes a while for it to stop. You, you you're crying what you're you're yeah because it's so fucking crazy that's never happened to me before now i'm freaked out that I, that shit's gonna happen to me <laughs> yeah it sucks damn i hope that's something that only happens to you, you get like a headache no it's not only me my other people have had it happen before too you're just one of those that hasn't had it happen just Jeez. yet maybe it's because you might uh I, 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 maybe you take more breaths than I do. Maybe that's it. Like, I'm trying to do all these words in, like, one breath, and then I'm not taking enough breaths. No, I'm, I don't know. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's raise swallowing air awareness. Let's make January swallowing <laughs> air awareness month. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. Oh, is this episode 123? Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. That's the horniest number in the dictionary. Now try to not really. Now try to figure out how that doesn't make sense. Isn't that sixty nine? Uh, Mike, every time you want to argue with me, it just makes me want a one twenty three. You. <laughs> oh yeah, it's hot.
Yeah, it's 123. All right, here we go. You ever thought about being a phone sex operator? Yes. All right, what's up, everyone? <laughs> Let's try that again. At 8 a.m. At 8, 8 that morning, am I having a stroke? He dropped <laughs> Debbie off at the... <laughs> All right, that's a fucking edit. You know what? That's a goddamn edit. I can't say the word. I'm sneezing. I'm fucking just having a stroke. Goddamn. Investors. <laughs> I, I mean, I, under, I understand why they weren't able to like release this show on full box set because that would be a massive undertaking and nobody except the most diehard of fans like me would even buy it. Stop it, cat. And they'd probably have to charge like 500 bucks or something per box set if it was a complete, you know, thing. Because think of all the fucking DVDs that would probably take up just to even have it all on well, there. Well, Blu-ray would probably be the best bet. Oh, but even yeah, then, that's it would, right. It would, it would, it would, there would be a good amount of Blu-rays. Yeah. Well, Blu-rays can hold a lot of data, so maybe it'd they be... They can. So probably what I would do if I had the rights is you'd be, you know, limited pressings of uh, certain uh, segment categories. So, like, you just have them all, uh, you'd have, like, for example, what they did with the DVD release, but this time around, you have them, uh, you have, like, a fraud set, which probably wouldn't take up that much, maybe, like, a couple discs, maybe even just one disc, considering, uh, that these are gonna be, like, 480p at best. Right. Like, they're not gonna be 720, 1080, uh super hd 4k there's just no way to do it with this particular show because it's edited on tape um so that's the best quality it's gonna get so i'd probably do like you know frauds you know and then uh bizarre murders or missing persons see i want the full episodes now the like, unexplained i'm i'm like i'm like i'm like a full episode junkie now because I, I i get that I, I went for it. years, I was years in the uh, Unsolved Mysteries Wasteland uh, from like 2006, 2005, 2006 until what, 2016 uh-huh. or 17, yeah. whenever Amazon, you know, started well, really. I think you're going to be, the closest you're going to get is the Amazon stuff. That's as close as you're going to get. Oh, because... I know. But I'm saying, like, I was in the wasteland for a decade of just watching the individual segments. Yeah. And I and now that I have the full episodes intact. Um, I, well, I'm, somewhat intact. The ones on Amazon are, are fairly intact, but missing some segments. So, Well, I'm talking about. But uh, <laughs> uh, now that I have those, uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm like all about the full because that's what the, the full experience.